Welcome to Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm joined today by Michael Pisarik, founder and director of product at Bonsai Intranet for SharePoint and Office 365. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Pete. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to it. For those who aren't in the know, tell us a little bit about Bonsai Intranet and the work you do there. Yeah, so we uh, it's it's an interesting story, I think, and it's a, a story... Um, I think that many organizations, particularly consulting companies, are, are going through. So we started off as a consulting company uh, around about five years ago, doing a lot of custom work and a lot of, uh, you know, very kind of long custom development intranet projects for customers on obviously the SharePoint and the Office 365 platform. Throughout that process, we really found that, you know, there was a lot of commonalities between clients, regardless of vertical, regardless of size, regardless of industry. And what we did around three and a half years years ago was kind of package all of that up together. So Bonsai Intranet is what we call an intranet platform. It's a range of capabilities and tools, leveraging all of the great stuff that Microsoft offers, both from the SharePoint side and an Office 365 side, but combined together with a lot of the custom uh, IP that we have created in terms of user experience and leveraging search, um, which really allows you to create you know, an award-winning intranet and digital workplace um, very quickly and very, very easily. And in addition to that, we you know we know through our experience that a great intranet is not just the technology it's everything else that goes alongside with it so whether that's correct information architecture or governance or proper change management so one of the things that we also offer as part of our bonsai kind of offering um, is what we call the bonsai delivery framework and that takes customers through really a best practice based approach to delivering an intranet or a digital workplace solution um, that ultimately is going to provide your organization um, some you know really tangible value. Outstanding. All right. So you have had your fingers in many different components of intranets for uh, some time now. Let's take a, a step back. The big question we eventually want to get to in this conversation is around intelligence and why it's so important to uh, integrate intelligence into our intranets. But but to, to set a foundation for that conversation, what's wrong with today's intranets? Well, it's uh, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of kind of question because I think when we started doing intranet work a while ago, um, you know, we thought that a lot of organizations were extremely unique in the challenges that they're that they're experiencing, um, that some organizations, the challenges were more on the technical side in terms of their tech, in terms of the technology that they were using. Some organizations, the challenge was more on the business side. So to do with things like content governance and making sure that, you know, something as simple as not having the same news story up on your intranet for three to six months. Um, but what we found working with a lot of customers is really there's there's a number of things that we're seeing most organizations struggle with. The first one, I think, is really from a technology standpoint. So we have a lot of organizations that simply have intranets on very, very old technologies. And these aren't small companies. Uh, we work with a lot of, you know, Fortune 500 companies here. Um, you know, one of the clients that we that, that we had, their intranet was literally 12 years old, built on Lotus Notes, and it was powering an organization that had, you know, close to 15,000 people in. So, well, that's I, and that's actually a great that is actually a great point. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but I I, I wonder if you could uh, we could perseverate on that just a little bit. Why is it that the Lotus Notes system has not been, uh, you know, uh, in 
embellished or replaced or you know what are the what are the things going on in the company that have uh, have kept them from moving forward yeah we see this time and time again and i think the the problem with most organizations with any intranet project is typically you have a small group of users for instance the intranet managers or the it team or typically those users or those kind of business units involved in an intranet, typically corporate communications, marketing, HR, they're the ones that really understand the value that an intranet can provide, and it can be transformative. But then they have to actually be able to communicate that out to the rest of the organization to pitch the intranet as essentially a business critical tool. And for a lot of companies that have these intranets on really old platforms, you know, typically the process they went down 10 years ago, five years ago, they created an, in, their, an, an intranet, they spent a ton of money doing custom development, but maybe they didn't look at the business side or maybe the project wasn't executed correctly. And what happens is, you know, people use the intranet for six months because it's new, it's in its fancy, and then something called intranet rot sets in. And that rot, Pete, as you probably can understand, can be a number of different things. Things, but what it causes is it causes people to lose trust in their intranet, then funding is really difficult to get, and then what happens is people go and create all of these other systems. So for a lot of our, for a lot of the organizations that we work with, it really is trying to get them to understand you know, the value of, an, of what an intranet can provide. Um, and the value can be immense and it can be huge, but you have to pitch it in such a way that you can actually quantify that. And those quant those uh, that you know you can quantify that in qualitative uh, metrics in terms of stories and experiences that people have. You can also um, have it in more kind of, you know, quantified metrics in terms of, you know, site visits and, and so forth. But for a lot of organizations, we see it's the, it's, it's, it's the same story. We have this intranet, no one uses it, it's out of date. We think there's incredible value there, but can you help us as an organization, you know, show the possibilities that a great intranet or a digital workplace can, can, can provide? And that's for a lot of our customers. They, they, they come to us even before they, you know, even before they kind of, kind of in, engage with us. We help them through that process, helping them craft a business case and craft a story of how a great intranet can bring people together, can encourage communication, collaboration, you know, finding content, search, all of those. Right. Right, right. Those types of use cases. Get, get them over that sort of deflationary spiral of it's out of date, so no one uses it, but no one uses it because it's out of date. How do you get them over the political, the cultural, uh, you know, issues that also exacerbate the technological issues and, and lead to, I think, the next point that uh, around the sort of freshness of the information on it? Exactly, exactly. And that's a huge thing. I mean, we, you know, Pete, as you've seen, technology is, is getting better and better, right? And whether that's on the Microsoft side or any other, any of the other technologies that we use, but still, it really comes down for a lot of organizations to really simple things, basic content management, right? Making sure that if you upload a document, that you at least try to apply some sort of metadata or some sort of taxonomy to that so content can be found. Um, with our particular uh, kind, of, kind of product, we use metadata a lot. But we're also cognizant that we can't expect an end user to upload, let's say, a policy and attach 27 pieces of metadata to that. It's just, it's just not going to happen, right? But we can have it in such a way that we keep it as, as simple as possible for, for, for organizations. So even that ability to upload, let's say, a document, tag it as a policy, tag it as, let's say, the department owner and tag an expiration date to that, then we can work a lot of that magic around that. So I think basic content management is, uh, is, is one thing. I think also you have to understand that, you know, traditionally intranet owners, 
they're not technical people. You know, they typically come from a communications-based background or a marketing-based background or, or, or a human resources-based background also. So making that process as simple and as easy as possible. They shouldn't have to go to their IT team to get a news article written, okay? That type of bottleneck is just not going to happen. And ultimately, it annoys both, you know, the people trying to write that content and annoys the IT team also. So um, I think giving organization that ability to self-manage that content um, is, is super, super important. And then probably the final thing is really about vision. Like, what do you want your intranet to do? Because your intranet can do a lot of different things. And when we work with our customers, we kind of have a rule here at Bonsai is that if you're doing an intranet for an organization, you need to A, include your end users, because ultimately that's who you're building it for. But B, also your intranet team should create should have a cross-section of representatives from within the organization. There's no point IT doing their intranet without asking anyone, because no one in any organization wants, you know, an IT pushed out system to them. So when we work with our when we work with our clients, particularly larger organizations, we make sure that there's a very good cross-representation of both content and people that are part of that intranet project team. And like I said, typically that's corporate communications for all the news, events, type of corporate comms, type of content, definitely HR for all of the, you know, the content relating to me as an employee, you know, benefits, policies, procedures, any other business units depending on industry also. And then what we also bring to the table is our is our is our experience. So we know that people want to be able to find other users within their organizations quickly and easily. We know that some of the content that resonates most on the intranet might not necessarily be corporate news stories, but might be news stories about people that work within the organization or links to particular apps also. So that's, I think, uh, a lot of the reasons that we're, that, that we're seeing intranets, you know, not really providing the value that they, that they could. Well, let's talk a little bit about adoption then. There, there will be a time some year, years from now, and, and this, I, I say, reflecting on my first intranet, uh, there will be a time some years from now when we'll be able to look back on today and recognize that we were, in fact, in the dark ages. But where are we on that adoption curve? And why is it important uh, for us to, to really think about evolving intranets to, I should say, start taking advantage of that future today? You know, personalization, intelligence. Why, why is it so important that we invest consistently? I, it's, yeah, I think there's a couple of, couple of reasons. I mean, I think in terms of the personalization aspect, I think that's something that we can do now. And it's something that we have within Bonsai all throughout the platform also. Um, and the reason for that is, um, you know, particularly if you're a larger organization, you want to give people that experience of being able to personalize what they're interested in seeing. Um, and especially if an organization uh, works across uh, multiple different countries, for instance, there's no point someone landing on an intranet homepage and seeing content or stories or links that aren't kind of necessarily relevant to them. So I think personalization is definitely something uh, something that we're we're doing a lot with our with, with our customers. So that ability, for instance, that I can land on my intranet, I can pick a particular region. So let's say I'm picking, you know, the US region versus the Europe region. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting content that's specific to me. I'm getting forms, policies, procedures that are specific to me. I'm getting news articles that are that are specific to me also. But taking that a step further, you can apply that really to different types of content and different types of facets about a particular user. So a big thing for a lot of our clients is that ability to, uh, to maybe target content based on a user's job title, for instance. So being able to target 
uh, let's say things like training events based on job title. We've been able to target, um, you know, industry announcements based on that job title also. So I think in terms of personalization, it's, it's, it's something that is really necessary now, you know, because otherwise if everyone can see every piece of content, you're kind of stuck in the same position that, that, that you are now, that, you know, a user lands on like a file share or a particular SharePoint site, for instance, and they have all of this content and it could be tagged, but they're not really getting the right information at, at the right time. So from that personalization aspect, um, like I said, it's something that, that, that we have within, within Bonsai. It's something that a lot of other product, product has, have, have, have also. And I think really users are used to being able to personalize their experience because they do that through other tools, right? They do that through right. whether, it's, whether it's social tools like Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or kind of more business tools, um, like I said, like, like, like LinkedIn or, or, or other aspects also. Sure. They bring that expectation of flexibility and personalization from home they bring that to work exactly and and i think what's you know what, what's fascinating to me is um especially now with the advent of you know the the technology that's happened in the commercial side over the last five to ten years i mean you know you've seen some of these systems pete that people use i mean yeah from from the business side i mean they're, they're shocking you know user experience is terrible that i'm you know it doesn't make any sense but still it seems like the business world is you know, a fair few, I think, years behind in terms of really understanding what users need to create a great experience. And a lot of that is around, you know, that user experience side. Um, you know, we want our clients, when they log on to their intranet, they don't have to know it's SharePoint. They don't have to care. They just know it's a place where they start their day. They can get all the information that they that, that they need. So a big driver that, you know, we're seeing on a lot of these business tools, and you can see Microsoft doing that in Office 365 also, is really around that user experience side, right? People want to use tools that makes sense to them. And for me, it's pretty shocking that I can go and download a free app on my iOS device where I can instantly understand what it is and how, how, how it works. But if I go to work, you know, I have to deal with some arcane system that was developed 10 years ago. And, you know, it's probably like an access database running under someone's desk, which literally runs the entire comp company. And we've seen that time and time again, again as well. So in my mind, that user experience key, I think, I think is also really really vital to making sure that you know you get some 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 adoption and some some great adoption as well with your uh, with your internet you know i i don't mean to sidetrack uh, too much here but how well do you think these companies are doing at actually uh, addressing the the what the the cultural baggage the that expectation of tools working the way uh, you know users expect them to work at work you know and i'm thinking specifically about microsoft you know and and teams uh, but you know facebook workplace and slack and and these companies that you know where people are using these tools at home they use Facebook at home, they have come to a certain experience. And here's Facebook saying, you know what, we think we have a solution that'll that'll allow you to bring that expectation back to work. So you can have the Facebook experience in a safe place. Do you think, uh, you know, the, how well do you think Microsoft is doing it at actually uh, accommodating that sort of expectation? I think they're definitely doing a lot better um, than they were a few a few few years ago. I mean, if you look at some of the changes that they've made uh, in Office three six five, particularly around you know a lot of the SharePoint work that they're that, that they're doing, you know these these modern team sites um, groups, you can tell that there's a lot of emphasis placed on that 
on that user experience. Um, and I think that's really, really important. I think if we want to get adoption of any system, you know, firstly, it has to be useful. Um, and I think that's something that we try to drill into a lot of our clients also, particularly when we're having discussions around like intranet homepages, for instance. And this is a pretty pretty fascinating one where, you know, most of the time, most intranet homepages are very heavy on the corporate communications type of content. And we mm-hmm. know that's important, but we also know through, through research and anecdotally that users want other types of things. So maybe they want the ability to access other systems or tools or something as simple as being able to see how many days of holidays they have left, right? And they want that integrated in onto their internet homepage also. Mm-hmm. So that ability, I think, to, to integrate, you know, some of these other tools in there from a, from a user experience side is, is really, really important. I definitely think that Microsoft is, is going the right way. Um, in making sure that, uh, you know, UX is, is a key thing. And I think the reason for that is if you just look at some of the disruption that's happened within the, in- with, within the industry. And Slack's a perfect example. Super simple tool, right? You know, very, very slick, very, very easy to use from that, from that, from that user experience side. Obviously solved the problem that a lot of organizations had, and it's gone through through the roof. So I think, like I said, from from Microsoft side, I really like the direction that they that they're going. Um, both from a user experience side and some of the functionality side. Um, I'm not sure if you're hearing this, Pete, but one thing that we're hearing from a lot of our customers, though, particularly on Office 365, is that overlap of tool sets that do the same thing is becoming a real issue. That you know you've got multiple tools that do the same thing um, and that becomes I think prob- problematic now, you can get around that with some strategy work and, and, and so forth but still I don't think Office 365 is you know as easy to use as it could be it's not you know one tool for one job and I can and I can basically come in and, and start to use all of these tools without any w- w- without any training but I think over time hopefully Microsoft is going to you know go down that go down that direction. Well, isn't that interesting, too? It causes sort of a, a corollary challenge, which is HRIT kind of training bloat. Like you have to spend more time training your users to do things the way you need to be the, need to be done for, you know, for consistency, et cetera. Uh, I think that's an interesting outcome. Um, the, the issue with Slack is an interesting one, too, because I think it demonstrates a thing that Microsoft is, is learning, uh, you know, rapidly that it's not just keeping up with the information they need. It's not just keeping up with, you know, documents that are submitted to the CMS mess. It's, it's keeping up with people as assets. I need to connect not just to what someone's creating, but I need to connect with that person quickly and easily. And I think you can see so much of Microsoft trying to, to actually surface more of expertise, human expertise in their assets. What are you hearing from customers along those lines? What sort of trends are you seeing that your customers are asking for uh, in that light? Uh, can you walk us through kind of your, your greatest hits? Yeah, definitely. I think you bring up a great point around being able to find people. And I think that's really a byproduct of the lot of the knowledge. I think a lot of the knowledge that most organizations have, it's not codified, right? So it's not in a document. It's not in a policy or in a procedure, but it's more tacit. It's in people's heads. So there's two ways to get around that problem. One way would be, well, let's codify all of this stuff, but that can be difficult. Right. Because once again, you have to, you know, people have to go and, you know, have like a knowledge base or something. Or the other way is how do we help connect people together much, much easier? And, you know, it's one thing searching for people by first name or last name or phone number or, or, or department, for instance. But what we try to do with Bonsai is try to take it a step further because we know that most of the time, um, through our research anyway, 
when you're doing a search for a person, there's kind of two main types of searches that people do. One of them we call a contact search. So this is, I know who I'm looking for and I need to get their contact details. So I know I need to call Pete. I don't know, you know, Pete's phone number, but I can go and kind of, you know, find, find Pete. And I can do that in multiple other tools. I can do that in Skype or Outlook or whatever else. The other one, which I think is more valuable, is around searching and finding people by other attributes. And they can be very, very different depending on the organization and the industry. So finding people by skills, expertise, past projects, degrees, designations, um, all of these items, I think, are extremely powerful. And really, one of the most, you know, one of the most popular features, I think, on any intranet is that people search experience, that ability for me to go into an organization and maybe find someone that can help me uh, with a particular task. Or let's say I'm working at a financial institution, for example, and I have a question about a certain type of mortgage. Imagine if I can go into my intranet type, you know, mortgages and not not just see content around that, but see people that are experts in that particular field. That's a huge driver for a lot of our for a lot of our clients. That ability, like I said, not just to find content easily, but to find people really, really easily. And typically it's not by first name, last name, you know, phone number, the kind of, you know, core keystone type type of data. It really is around skills, expertise, past projects. The other thing we're also seeing, and this has only happened in the last couple of years, which is pretty in, 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 uh, interesting, and it plays into both people search and kind of you know a culture engagement perspective, is that ability to find people by social interests. So let's say I work in a large organization and I want to start, I don't know, a running club for, for, for instance, I can go and I can find people that have similar social interests to me. And it, it sounds like a bit of a kind of tacky example, but there's so much research coming out now that the closer that people are within an organization, the more engaged they are, it really, you know, goes down to the bottom line also. So for a lot of the clients that that we use, we do a lot of planning around kind of finding people. A lot of it is definitely around, um, you know, those kind of business types of information we might be looking looking for them. We've also got a lot of clients that are looking for, you know, uh, adding some sort of so- social aspects. I've been able to find people that share similar interests to me. And then from there, maybe I can start a social club or, or, or something else with those people. Yeah, absolutely. And again, leveraging that, that is an interesting, we live in interesting days, right? That all of a sudden, uh, now we're looking at those assets, those aspects of people that sort of people meta uh, that uh, are actually increasing as you say, the socialization value uh, in the workplace. Uh, these are interesting days. What else do you see? What else are you seeing in terms of uh, in terms of uh, trends that you're seeing from your customers that they're asking for for you to help them develop? So, um, people search is definitely one of them. Um, the other one is really around corporate com- corporate comms. So, um, you know, how do we create content that we know is going to resonate with our users, and how do we engage our users with that content also? So, I think it's pretty standard now to have you know a lot of these social capabilities built in to your intranet it's standard with our product i mean i I assume other organizations are are doing this as well but you know a lot of key drivers like i said from a lot of organizations is really around employee engagement Um, and employee engagement is kind of a loaded term i think because it's a very kind of broad set of things that 
that you can that you can do. But you know, for a lot of the companies that we work with, that ability to have transparent conversations for for instance, or even capture some of the tacit knowledge that people have that we we talked about that that previously. So a pretty uh, you know very large trend for us is you know that ability for organisations to not only create great content in terms of corporate communications, that it could be news events. Um, you know, it could be global news, department news, um, stories about people. So we, we see a lot of companies uh, leveraging something called an employee spotlight, which is about, you know, new starters and, and, and success stories, but not just allowing, uh, allowing users or their users to look at that content, but allowing them to engage with that content. And then engagement could be through things like sharing. It could be through things like liking. And it also could be through things like commenting also. Um, and commenting is an interesting one because it kind of touches upon what we want to talk about, Pete, which is which is in intelligence. One of the things that we are looking at, at doing in particular is, well, a lot of companies come to us and say, we wrote this news article and we've got 150 comments on it. Right. And, you know, that's obviously a, obviously a really, really good thing. We're getting a lot of engagement. People, you know, are, are looking at their internet content. But when you think about it a little bit more deeply, it might be a good thing or it might not be a good thing because, you know, 150 of those comments could be, this is great. I agree. We should do this. Or 150 of those comments could be, actually, this is a, this is a terrible idea. I hate this company. You know, you people are idiots, for example. And no, no one would do that, but I'm being, I'm being a little bit facetious here. But I think one of the ways that you can add intelligence is uh, one of the things that we're definitely exploring is, well, imagine if you could look at those comments and pull out the sentiment of those particular comments. And it's something that, for instance, happens a lot out there in Twitter and happens a lot on Amazon, for instance. So there's a lot of great tools now, a lot of a lot of AI tools that allow you to take a text or take a piece of comment and mine it for not only topics that people are talking about, but sentiment around that particular uh, comment. And then what you can do, you can add up, you know, all of the sentiment scores for each individual comment. And then I think you can provide real intelligence to your users. And we've, we've done that a couple of times before. And what's been fascinating is some of the things that come, come up because you can extract topics out of it also. And if you start extracting topics from all of the comments or all of the information that you have on your, your internet, you're really finding out what really matters to people. And also from the kind of sentiment analysis also, you start to really see not only are, are people engaging, but are people engaging in a positive way or a negative way also. So we are getting a lot of requests from the companies that, that we work with to have much more intelligent um, intranet analytics. It's not just, you know, page hits and views and likes and comments and all those, all those typical things, but they want to answer questions. For instance, for this particular news article, did people get all the way to the bottom? Or did people just click on the headline and then leave? So that ability to to have some intelligence in there to have like a heat to heat map to see how far people actually went went down the page, for instance. That ability also from an analytics perspective to ask to answer the most simple question that I think any internet author would want answered: When is the best time for me to publish content? And what type of content resonates the most with our users? And I think that's where we're heading. That's where a lot of these AI tools, I think, are going to providing in 
incredible value for intranets, particularly around that analytic side, to give intranet owners, to give organizations a much more intelligent way to understand the content that resonates with their users, to understand the type of information that their users are, are looking for, and then obviously have that feedback loop that they can learn from that and adjust their intranet going forward. With all this fantastic data, how does this impact intranet governance? What are you hearing from your clients there? I think from our from our perspective, um, intranet governance is like the, the the stepchild of any intranet project. I think it's by far the most important thing that that organizations need to need need to do. It's just it's not particularly sexy, right? You know, it's a bunch of people yeah. sitting sitting in a room and saying, "Okay, you're responsible for this this type of content. Um, it has to be updated, and 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 these are all of the rules." Um, we do a lot of work with governance with with our customers, and, and and what I say to them is, "Listen, we can build you a really beautiful, pretty website, but." In the end, if you don't have governance, in six months' time, you're going to have a really beautiful, you know, really pretty beautiful website with content that's out of date, and no one's going to use use this. And the way that you can protect around that is making sure that you have that you have uh, governance. So things like having the correct content authoring models on your in on your intranet, for instance, are you going to have a centralized approach where all content goes to a central intranet team or you're going to have more of a federated approach where maybe individual business units or departments are responsible for content for content also and even something as simple i think something that's fairly unique that that we do here at at bonsai as part of our governance structure um, is we do something as simple as 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 a content publishing plan so um, if anyone's been through an intranet project and peter you know you've sound like you've been through a few you know the homepage is really the the area that kind of provides the most friction uh within uh the intranet project because everyone thinks that their content is super important so of course everyone wants their content on the intranet homepage because they assume that's the only page that people that people kind of look at so one of the one of the ways that we get around that is we say well listen for every type of content for every piece of content or every area on your intranet homepage, it's part of the governance plan. You have to ensure that you create, let's say, five or ten pieces of content per week as part of the governance plan. You have to sign off on that, and that really helps that conversation because a lot of a lot of uh, organisations, you know, there could be someone who's fairly outspoken and they say, "Yep, we need my stuff on the homepage. It's really, really important." We say, "That's awesome. That's 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 great. We're going to put it here." But if we put it here, you have to have ten articles published a week, and they're like, "Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't have time to time time to do that." So, I think just even basic governance, a lot of organisations struggle with. I think where we want to get to, um, from a governance perspective, is once again using some of this in intelligence. So we're really a classic example is this concept of expiry dates on content. So let's say, for instance, I upload a policy. I tag it with a few pieces of metadata, but then I have an expiry date on that. Let's say that, let's say that expiry date is a year after the date that was published. For 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 instance, wouldn't it be fantastic, Pete? Isn't is you know instead of me as a content author having to go and troll through my content to see if anything is out of date, or worse still, being told my my end users that this content is is, is out of date? Imagine if we had a system where we could look through that content maybe using something like search, for example, and maybe three months before it's basically due, it sends me an alert as the owner of that piece of content to say, hey, this is coming up for review. Make sure that you actually review that type of content also. So I think there's some really simple examples. The other thing we're also uh, we're also hearing for a lot of our customers, particularly around governance, is around the social aspect of 
things, right? So, sure. you know, that ability to not necessarily, I would say, moderate comments, but that ability to at least monitor comments. So if there's anything either untoward that said, um, you know, imagine if we could kind of monitor that that in real time. And once again, I think a lot of these AI tools in terms of, you know, natural language processing um, and, 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 and extraction also can really can really help. And I really see that, you know, for a lot of the more advanced intranet, intranet platforms, I see a lot of these tools being integrated in definitely over the next uh, next couple of years. Well, this is a uh, it's been a fantastic conversation, Michael. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to sit down with me. Where would you like to send people to learn more about you and, and your work at Bonsai? Yeah, so if you just uh, look at the, uh, if you do a search for Bonsai Intranet, that's B-O-N-Z-A-I, um, or you can reach out to me uh, directly as uh, as well at michael at bonsai-intranet.com. Uh, we'll be more than happy happy to help. We also run a series of webinars and a whole bunch of intranet stuff also. So if you're, you know, if you're interested in within this within this space, um, like I said, I think you'll find a lot of, lot of really great uh, great information there. Outstanding. We'll put links in the show notes. Swipe over in your internet-connected podcast device, and uh, you'll find all the links to uh, various resources that Bonsai has to offer. Again, uh, Michael Pisarek, uh, founder and director of product at Bonsai Intranet. Thanks for your time today. Thanks so much, Pete. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. On behalf of Michael, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next time right here on Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight.